revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Cavaliers pick already looks to be in a little bit of trouble, but after we give the Cavs a good reaming today, I think they're going to take our lessons, our understandings, and move forward and come back in this series. Again, it's only one nothing right now, Xander, so I think we're in an okay spot, especially since they were down 3-1 last year, but how are you feeling? You were a little sad last night. Um, I was a little sad because I didn't think the Cavs would come out and play that bad. Uh, they, were, they were really brutal. The turnovers... Um, the lack of key rebounding. I know they technically out-rebounded the Warriors, but all the key spots, the second-chance points, um, they were just brutal. And the fact that they were still in the game after that first half uh, I thought was a super, super weird. I mean, any other team would have been, Crumb. I think, down by 25 points. Absolutely. I mean, they, they had 12 turnovers compared to the Warriors' one. Um, it was unbelievable they still had a chance. And they had a chance to get back in the second half, and they just... They just crumbled. It was disgusting. Yeah, and like you said, the first half, very interesting. I know at the end of the day, they out-rebounded the Warriors, which I was pretty shocked when you told me that number. Because I was shocked. Kevin Love had 21 rebounds. I had no idea. It did not seem like that. Well, he wasn't, wasn't translating too much because he wasn't putting it uh, in right. the book, so I mean, it that, didn't really that's, matter. You know, the, num- the numbers, they do lie. The rebounds, they, they <laughs> lied. Um, but, you know, a couple of interesting stats. LeBron, I mean... I think he played pretty good. Definitely could have been better, but he hasn't had more turnovers than a half. Seven turnovers. Yeah, since 2005. Um, he had nine turnovers and a half, but he had seven first half on Thursday night, and the Warriors had the fewest turnovers in an NBA Finals game in history. They tied for the most. Um, I think it was like the 07 Spurs and like the 04 Pistons, but they had four turnovers the entire game, and the Cavs had 20. I mean, you're just not going to beat the Warriors when you have such a disparity um, handling the ball. I mean, Kevin Durant was fantastic. No turnovers, actually. No turnovers. He looked unbelievable. A lot better than I thought he was going to look. Kind of uh, welcome back to the NBA Finals for Kevin Durant, and in the right fashion. And not only him, but Ke- Seth Curry also coming into this Finals really Seth hot. Seth Curry was... 26 points through three quarters. Super clutch. I mean, him and him and KD really ran the show the entire night. Klay Thompson could not Terrible. find the bottom of the net. But you know what? If you were watching the game, though... He did play very good defense on very fair. Kevin Love, Kyrie, and LeBron. So Clay Thompson, although he didn't get it done on the offensive side of the ball, 
played for 36 minutes and definitely solid effort on the defensive side of the ball. The Cavs did not know what to do when the ball wasn't in Kyrie's hands or LeBron's hands. I mean, you look at a guy like Kyle Korver, who we said could have made an impact in this series, played 19 minutes and had zero points. I mean, that's that's disgusting. That's the only thing he does is shoot the ball, and he he couldn't score one and point. Specifically, shooting threes, which we and you were standing up out of the off the couch, super excited every time. Dude, LeBron every every look open. he got was wide open. Wide open. Le- what LeBron does is he takes the ball to the rack. He's got like three people on him, and he just passes it out. And Kyle Korver could knock down could not knock down a single shot. Darren Williams played 18 minutes and had zero points. The biggest X factor, the combo X factor, J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson. It combined for 50 minutes, three points, four rebounds, and two assists. They basically were not there. I mean, Tristan Thompson was going to be a huge piece for this Cavaliers team if they wanted to win, but absolutely did not show up. Some insider trading information here. Zaza Pachulia, I think, listened to the show last week as we uh, kind of ripped him apart for being not the strongest big man, but he took it to Tristan Thompson last night. And again, the boards thing is still a mystery to me and how the Cavs outboarded the Warriors, but Zaza Pachulia, strong in the paint. I know he didn't do very much, but an interesting X factor to start the first half was JaVale McGee. Yeah, he, When he came in off the bench, yep. he was absolutely a factor, blocking, rebounding, Super impressive from JaVale McGee, and that's kind of what you need. We were criticizing the Warriors bench for not being deep and being able to shoot the three, but if you get JaVale McGee coming off the bench, who's a super athlete, really just one of the most athletic players in the league, maybe not so skilled, but the way he performed last night is exactly what the Warriors need. In a first half where they ended up leading by eight going into halftime, which isn't that big of a lead in the situation they were in and the scenario they put themselves in because of their play, but definitely very interesting watching JaVale McGee. Right, and McGee only played five minutes, but in those five minutes, they were able to outscore the Cavs by eight. So, I mean, really a big impact, and like I said, you know, if you're watching the game, it was a completely different story. You just saw that you know, they were really making things happen when he was on the court, which is kind of surprising. I mean, you look at them, they've got KD, Steph, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. Um, but JaVale, JaVale McGee was was really, I think, a key part of that um, and, and a part of their run that really got this game out of hand. I mean, the thing that pissed me off the most about the game was the fact that Kevin Durant just had so many wide-open dunks and nobody would step in front of him. I mean, he, he had the most dunks in his career in the first half. He had six, and most of them was literally unguarded. It was like a pickup basketball game where everybody was like, eh, we're done, we're just going to let him go through, and he, and he didn't even get touched. And the problem, which I think the Cavs are going to focus on guarding him a little more closely in Game 2, but the problem with that is you've got guys like Klay Thompson and Steph Curry lurking on the three-point line waiting to drop 50 points, so... I mean, the Cavs need to shape up on defense. I mean, they were brutal. Yeah, and I think actually the open dunks were a result of what you just mentioned. Every time, I don't know if you guys all watched, but every time KD was driving, Curry would be heading down to the side of the wing, and LeBron stepped out, JR would step out. It's almost, would you rather give up a three or a two? And I think in their mindset it was a two. That just comes back to being willing to fight, being ready to go, and getting back on defense. Because, like you said, there wasn't anybody back. It was LeBron by himself. It was JR by himself. Everyone needs to hustle. It's the NBA Finals. you got to come ready to give it everything you've got. There's seven games, maybe. So, very disappointing effort. Right. And I then all the, a ton of key stats that the Cavs just got murdered in. Assists, 31-15. to 15. The Warriors had 12 steals. Cavs had none. Um, fast break points, Golden State at 27 to the Cavs, 9. Points in the paint, this was huge. Warriors had 56 points in the paint to the Cavs, 30. I mean, we, we said that... Again, vice versa of what we were saying right, last The week. Cavs needed to play well inside to have a chance in this series, and 
they didn't do it in game one. No, and the reason not. the reason I'm not really that worried is because the Cavs did not play well at all. They played horrible. And, you know, if they were to play one of their best games and got beat by 23 points, um, or 22, excuse me, I would have said, you know, we could be in a lot of trouble. But the Cavs just played so bad. Like, I, I can't even judge that game because the Warriors, although they did not play their best, I mean, the Cavs just played so horrendous. I can't, I can't even judge. And if they can steal game two on Sunday night... You know, all and bets you forget are about off. game one. You forget, you forget about this about ESPN article if you can saying split, split two um, at Golden State, and you're coming back home. I'm I, I would be very happy with that. I don't think the Cavs are going to come out and play as bad as they did in game one. No, and ESPN, like I was about to say, has it saying the Warriors just won't lose this playoffs. I mean, who knows? You got the best player in the world right now on this Cavs team, and he played pretty well. Not superstar LeBron, but well enough. 15 played, rebounds. Played, did a lot of good things, but Absolutely. did a lot of bad things. With the the turnovers, turnovers definitely need to be addressed, as well as the de- defense and turnovers. Massive things they need to focus on and key of the game for Game 2, which is going to be Sunday, everybody. And we're very excited because me and Xander, we did take the Cavs plus 7.5, and now it's plus 9, so I think we're going to ride hard the plus 9. I think it's going Absolutely. to be a close game. They're going to make up for a poor performance because it's been that way at the NBA all year, just meaningless games, and last night felt a little bit like that. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge here at LibertyTalk.fm and on iHeartRadio. Find us on amfm247.com. Thank you guys for following us. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter, everybody. We'll be back right after the break. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back and better than ever. We are ready to go here. We wanted to give you a couple of news updates since we have you for the time being. We just adopted a new blog called Game 7 Sports. They're going to be posting blogs on our new website, which hopefully is going to come out this week. That's run by Brennan and Harry Wall. If you haven't heard them before, they are, there's a couple episodes you can go back on. They talk NBA with us. They're huge Cavs fans as well as New York Knicks fans, so they definitely bring a lot of it to the NBA table, but they also have a recent post, which you'll see on our page, talking about the NHL Stanley Cup and where it's at with the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Nashville Predators. So very excited to have them on our website. We'll also detail all of our episodes that we have with Corey Provis, Kevin Fishbane, and a bunch of other people who are coming up. So we're very excited to get that out to you. Yeah, also want to give a shout-out to the guy who's working on our website. His name is Chris Hall, and he's a tw- was a 20-year veteran at Microsoft. Um, you know, he, he can do uh, work on websites for anybody. So, you know, his email is chall3809 at gmail.com. So if anybody's out there looking for a, a website design um, or just something to be developed, he is available, and he's an awesome guy, very nice, uh, and from New Mexico. So got that in the works, and hopefully, like like Roz said, we'll get that going next week. But, you know, in the meantime, Roz, we uh, got the NHL Finals going on, too. And the Penguins have a uh, 2-0 lead right now, and they're looking pretty good, I must say. The Penguins are looking good. They had a bit of a scare in Game 1, and you could say, Ethan, how would they have a big scare? They were up 3-0 early, but the Predators did come back to make this a game, making it 3-3. They did. Inevitably, the or the Penguins stole another one, going up 4-3. The 5-3 score is the empty netters, and that only impacts the way if you're gambling. I know <laughs> usually it's minus 1.5 when you're betting on hockey games. Me and Xander choose to stay away from that. We'll maybe take a money line here or there. We'd probably tell you to take the Predators' money line next game. I think they're going to 
to take this one home. They're coming back to Nashville where they've been super strong. I really have a good feeling about this. But then again, this is an interesting matchup here in the Stanley Cup. You've got this proven Penguins team who have won a couple Stanley Cups in recent years. And then you've got this Predators team that was the last ranked team coming into the playoffs, knocked off the Blackhawks, and then moved their way through the postseason. So... I don't know if it's they've met their breaking point where they're facing too good of a team at this point or not. They had a tough game, too, losing 4-1 to the Penguins. It's time to take it home. And you know what? You lose two on the road. It's not unexpected. So if you come back and win your two here in Nashville, I think the Predators will have a good chance to keep fighting in this postseason. Yeah. But if you look at Sidney Crosby, he, he's still being a stud. He might not be scoring every goal for this Penguins team, but points are essential to any team or any hockey game. So his assists are very... Very influential on score as well and, uh, as the success P- of the P.K. Subban also guaranteed a Predators win in Game 3. So, you know what? If P.K. Subban says it, I'm going to believe it. He says, I feel even more confident now than I've ever had of Night of Rest. There's no question we're going to win next game and then we'll move forward. So, I think we're looking at a 2-1 score after the game tonight at 7 p.m., but obviously we'll, we'll keep you up to date next week when we uh, cover the series more, and hopefully it's still going. And that was talking hockey on Sporting Edge, as we <laughs> haven't hit that yet so far, but hopefully we're broadening our demographic and reaching out to you hockey fans. In fact, we might have a hockey guest coming on in the near future, so just be paying attention. I just want to step back real quick to the NBA playoffs because I want to review or preview Game 2. And why I think yeah we got we got to get game Cavs, one out of the way. It's game it's one we have to forget. Stricken from the memory. It just was a terrible night of such high anticipation for such a fantastic game. It was just terrible. But game two is going to be back to that high anticipation, and the Cavs win by six is what I'm going to say. I'm going to tell you the Cavs are going to win by six in Golden State. So you're you're telling me to take them not only plus nine but plus three thirty on the money line. Amazing. I mean, why would you take the Warriors minus four forty? So I'm going to tell you take money line as well as the Cavs plus nine. But if you're the safe better and just want to stick with the line, we totally understand as well. But why I'm going to break it down is LeBron's going to put up forty next game, and I know I'm making all these bold claims. But if you've watched the NBA Finals the last three years, and it's weird that you can say that about a player, that you know how they're going to perform in the NBA Finals, because it's not supposed to be a frequent thing, but LeBron's been there seven years in a row, so I know what's going to happen. Um, I'm going to say 40 points. I think Kyrie, who shot 9 of 21 in the first game, really going to sharpen up his shooting. His field goal percentage should be higher, which will translate to more points to them. And it's time for the defense to step up. 60 points in the first half was too much. I don't think that's going to be the case. In fact, I would tell you, take the under also in this game. Hmm. I know Life's too short to take the under, but I've been riding some overs recently, hitting them, missing them. Doesn't really matter to me. So take the under here. I think it's going to be a lower scoring first half, and I think the Cavs are going to dictate the tempo, banging in the post. And I know I was wrong in the first game, but the coming back, Tristan Thompson heard me and Xander, and I think I think something's going to come of that. Yeah, I mean, they just need some of their other pieces to step up. I mean, obviously LeBron cannot beat this Warriors team by himself. He comes um, close, though. He comes close. But, you know, there there is a couple key pieces on this team. I mean, Kyrie Irving was was decent, 24 points. Like you said, 9 for 21 from the field. Could be better, but wasn't bad. Kevin Love played pretty good as well. I guess the, the 21 rebounds came out of nowhere. But, you know, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson, Richard Jefferson, Amon Shumpert, Darren Williams, one of these guys needs to have a huge game because, you know, Kevin Durant is like what I think is the best player in the NBA. I know I've said it many times, but the effort 
on the offensive side of the ball in game one was one of the best games I've ever seen. I mean, the 38 points, just the way he was able to get to the rim with ease. And I, and I know he had a lot of easy dunks, but he also made a ton of great plays. And you can just see how, you know, how awesome that offense is with him running the show. I mean, you have Steph Curry, who's two-time MVP, who took a back seat to KD this year. Um, and you also have Klay Thompson, who didn't show up. But like I said, could be an X-factor in this series. I'm hoping he's not because I really want the Cavs to win. But I agree with Roz. I think the Cavs take game two. And if they take game two, throw game one out the window. The series is even going back to Cleveland. Um, That's I think a that, five series at that point. Right. I think that'd be great for the Cavs, but they they need to play better on defense. They cannot let the Warriors go on these insane runs. I mean, it was it was like an eight point game, and I looked up a minute and a half later, they went the Warriors went on a ten zero run, and the game was it was a twenty point game again. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, they need to guard people, they need to play defense, and people need to help LeBron. I mean, the guy cannot do it all by himself. They need to hit some shots. Kyle Korver, where are you? I'm calling you out right now. Um, you're gonna be snipped if you don't make it, if you don't make a bucket in game two. And you don't want to be sniffed. Being sniffed by the Sporting Edge means we just we don't communicate with you, which we probably aren't doing already, and we just ignore you. We, do, we pretend you don't exist, essentially. But Xander, since we were talking about it, I want you to pick a player from the Warriors as well as a player from the Cavs. I want the Warriors who's gonna take a step down, Cavs who's taking a step up. I'm for me, I'm saying Curry step down. I think Curry came out, lights out. I don't know if he's going to be able to put that up again. I think Kyrie is going to be stepping up. So I think that matchup is going to shift in Game 2, which is going to help with my prediction. Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I think it's easier, you know, Seth Curry, he played great. It was He was awesome. But I think it's a lot easier to play and get on, get hot when you're, you're killing the other team. I mean, at halftime, it was an eight-point game. And the Cavs with all their turnovers, it just it really wasn't a close game. And then, you know, in the third quarter where the Warriors have been the best team by far in the NBA. They've outscored their opponents, I think, by almost 600 points in the third quarter of the season. And it was the same story in Game 1 of the Finals. I mean, it's kind of easy to, to chuck up shots and hit stuff with no pressure. So I, I think the Cavs need to keep this game closer and really, you know, take either KD or Steph Curry out of the game. Because you're not going to stop both of them. But, you know, also I don't think Kevin Durant is going to play as well as he did in Game 1. It would be really hard to repeat. I mean, that was that was probably one of the better finals performances I've ever seen in terms of scoring and efficiency. I mean, the guy didn't turn over the ball one time. He had 38 points in 37 minutes, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists. They essentially played a perfect game. But I agree with you. I think Kyrie Irving takes a step up this game. Like I said, he wasn't bad Game 1, but... Could have done a little bit more, and I think he is going to be a key facilitator um, along with LeBron because LeBron obviously can't do it all by himself, but J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson, one of those guys needs to play a lot better. I mean, the the amount of easy rebounds that the Cavs gave up to the Warriors was— Steph Curry had six of his own. Right. He had six, um, and Tristan Thompson, four rebounds the entire night. I mean, it, it, it was bad. It was not good, and then the game got away from him, so— like I said, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about what happened because, you know, it's in the past. Game one is in the past. The Cavs played absolutely terrible, but it's not the end of the world. You know, the article that Roz mentioned before on CBS Sports saying that the Warriors are going to be here for years to come and that their playoff dominance is going to keep going, I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Um, you know, the Cavs played a horrendous game in game one. They were playing horrendous in the first half. They still had a chance to get back in the game. So we're going to see game two. I'm calling it right now, and I think he's with me. Cavs are going to win. We're going back to Cleveland 1-1. We're going to turn this series up to 10. We're going to game seven. 
But that's all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss the show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm. We'll be back after the break. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. We're back at the Sporting Edge, everybody. We're talking baseball now. A lot of interesting stuff going on in the major leagues. But first, hit on a couple news uh, news points. Mike Trout, um, out six to eight weeks, torn ligament in his thumb. Um, I just hate when guys go down. You know, injuries like when they're sliding. It's just it sucks because Mike Trout is just the best player in the major leagues by far, and he's and he was having probably his best season so far. I mean, sixteen home runs. Um, batting three thirty seven yeah, was slugging I think over seven hundred, an absolutely great year. So I'm hoping that he can come back at least you know after the All Star break. Obviously with the thumb, I mean every part of the game, swing, throwing, um, everything's affected. So he's got to be a hundred percent healed before he comes back. But I mean his Angels team is sitting at five hundred right now. I mean they're <laughs> they're nowhere near out of it. So they're going to need him back. Um, Albert Pujols also chasing 600 home runs at f- number 599 right now. That'd be awesome. Uh, a lot of people forget how good Pujols was with the Cardinals. I mean, probably had the best 10-year run, I think, of any hitter in the history of the major leagues. Maybe besides Barry Bonds. But you look at Albert Pujols' numbers, he was top five in the MVP voting for like nine or ten straight season. I mean, that's a, that's a ridiculous thought. I mean, the next guy I think was Miguel Cabrera, and now it's Mike Trout. But don't sleep on Albert. The guy still gets it done power-wise. Yeah, and like you said, Albert is still hanging around in the top five of RBIs right now. Albert Pujols, 38 RBIs right now, and more than Mike Trout. So that team definitely has the hitting and what it needs to be successful. I think their pitching is definitely something that's a little bit lackluster. Yeah. But outside of that, now we're talking about my favorite player, Bryce Harper, who will be suspended for three games, and hopefully one of your one of uh, the fans out there knows Bryce Harper personally because I tweeted at him asking if he wanted to join the show while he was on his days off and everything. But I know everyone saw it: the Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper fight. Great helmet toss. Let me tell you, I no, I'm all in the on this helmet, helmet toss. toss. Was was garbage, but great distraction. If you're going up against a bear, the, what you're supposed to do is distract him. You get big, you need to distract him. I know, Bryce Harper, charging in the mound, knew that a punch was going to come quick because the pitcher's already standing there waiting for it. You're running and you're kind of you're more def- defenseless in that situation. As Great you're running throw. at him, as you're running at him, because you're running, so your hand motions aren't going to be ready to swing. Whereas the pitcher has time to set up 
and hit you. I didn't mind the charge at all, but I didn't like the helmet throw. I mean, if you're going to go, if you're going to go and if you're going to go and fight him and charge the mound, then just you know drop the helmet, get up man to man, and take some swings. I mean, there were some swings taken. I think Great they both swing. got cracked in the mouth. Yes, but they both. I mean, Bryce still looks beautiful. I mean, obviously that face can't be harmed, but. Some good punches. I think they need to go to uh, Krav Maga class with me and you because I think Master George could teach them a thing or two. They both swung with their arms up. You're supposed to swing yeah. with your arms. Got to keep close the, elbows to the body. in. Elbows, elbows in. close to the body. But so Bryce is going to be missing three games. Under Strickland, is it down to five? Um, I don't remember. I th- it was about the. He's going to miss a start, essentially, or not a start. He's going to miss a certain amount of games. He's a similar amount of time. Exactly. The, they try to even it out. Um, you know, like starting pitchers, they'll miss. If it'll be like two starts, uh, it'll be, be like ten games, something like that. Uh, but Michael Morse took the took the worst beating of all that. Suffered a concussion. <laughs> he, he, I forgot he got he ran into somebody and he got ran into clocked. Jeff Samarja. Yes, who those came are, out to the mound the next day. Two big guys. Those are one two football player. An ex probably would have been a Pro Bowl wide receiver in the NFL, and Jeff Samarja. And then Michael Morse is about six seven, I think, or six eight. An enormous man, and they just went at it and absolutely clocked each other. But Jess Samarja, probably one of the <laughs> toughest guys in the game, was oh, not absolutely. missing a start. <laughs> yeah, no, and but I got to tell you, while we're talking about these brute men, the people getting involved in the fight and everything, Buster Posey taking a nice route, I believe. Buster Posey not running in. He's right now second in the National League in average, batting three forty eight. He's been very instrumental to this Giants team that isn't doing so well. So They're I think doing horrible. Doing horrible. But they need Buster Posey to just keep doing well, and he just understood that. So he talked to the umpire real quick as the umpire went running by to help. He, he sat was at the so slow to come out that, that ESPN put a timer on him of when he made his first step, and it was five seconds after the pitch hit Bryce Harper did Buster Posey take a single step towards the mound. I mean, literally, Bryce Harper got hit. Took off his helmet, started running, chucked it. They were about face-to-face, him and Strickland, and then Buster Posey started walking out. And I don't know if I disagree with him. Uh, I thought Hunter Strickland was a little out of line for hitting oh, Harper absolutely. just because he, you know, he hit two homers off him and, and maybe Harper stared him down. I didn't, I didn't really think it was that egregious uh, for him to throw at Harper like that. I think that's kind of – it's just kind of cheap. It's like, you know, guy hits two homers off of you, why don't you strike him out? I mean, why do you have to throw at him? And it's just a situation that didn't really call for it. So I understand. I thought Harper had all the right in the world to go and charge them out. I do too. And I don't know if you've seen the stats yet, but Strickland versus Harper, they've only faced each other three times. This last hit Batman was the recent one. So two homers. I mean, like you said, go strike them out. You have nothing to say right now. Right. Now it's it, it was still such, It's like such a coward move to, to throw it in that situation. I understand, you know, the game, throwing at people, there's a time and a place, but... For me, that wasn't. I don't it. even know if there's a time you could have hurt a player. Uh, could you imagine Harper and Trout both being out right now? Now, say he had a broken rib because of the velocity, 98 miles per hour going to the ribs. It's ridiculous. Eh, it's like the fly fight for these guys. And Buster Posey back to him real quick. Very safe move by not running out there. He's got a season to play, and uh, all that you're going to see was a concussion by Morse. Jeff Samarja get like big people coming into the huddle, like big people, big people. So Buster Posey played it safe. I'm not totally against him right there, but. We got to stay on the West Coast for our next topic, and that is the the Cubs, who we were praising last week, who we were excited about, saying that this next thirty game stretch they were going to go on, they were going to go twenty five and five. Well, that's not going to happen as they were just swept on the West Coast by not only the Dodgers, who are a very excellent team right now, but the last place Padres. It it was a disgusting, disgusting, disgusting series. I remember I bet. 
on them in game two to win, and they couldn't do that. And I bet the over in game three, and they end up losing two to one. It was a disgusting series. Um, it just makes you shake your head. I mean, the Padres are literally like the laughing stock of baseball for when the roster the came past up on the screen. I, I didn't know the players. I didn't and know. I had probably I had legitimately heard of about four of them and only knew something about I think two of them. They almost qualify for a Triple A team. They don't, they do. I mean, you know, nothing against those guys. They just they have a horrible team. They do. And what's really Sad and something that I'm realizing at this point right now is we can't put all the blame on the pitching, which we've tried to for the Cubs. The pitching isn't fantastic in Chicago, and that just has to be understood. And moves will be made before the trade deadline and everything. But to go along with it, it's the hitting. There is no hitting right now for this Cubs team. you got Russell batting under 220. You've got Rizzo batting under 240. The core players in this lineup are not hitting, providing already a tough stretch for these pitchers. So to lose 2-1 in Game 3 of that series, is that's an absolute result right. of the... Because Arietta had a good outing. Right. They're not, they're not... They can't put it together. No. no. They pitch well, they can't hit. They hit well, they can't pitch. The pitching has been a huge problem all year. And this is the kind of season that you keep saying they're going to turn it around until like two months from now. You're just like, they didn't. They did. They're sitting here like the Giants last year and you're just kind of wondering what happened. So I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but... At a certain point, we're like almost 60 games in, like something's got to give. Yeah, and I something think, has to change. I think the Cubs have the best coach to weather this storm because everyone's getting antsy, everyone's getting worried, but Joe Madden's so calm, cool, and collected. And maybe he needs to spark up, like maybe once or twice. We need to see him get after his players because he is maybe he's a little too calm right now. That you did win a World Series. Is this World Series hangover really going to define this team? Get after him, Joe. That's just, but. Keep the fans nice, cool, calm, collected, but get after your players. Yeah, I mean, they, they need to figure it out. But again, we go back to the big one of the biggest bats in this lineup, Kyle Schwarber, has been... Didn't even mention he's batting under 200. Not even close. I think it's near... Batting uh, under 180. 180. He's it, about 177. It's, it's bad. I mean, he was... It, it's amazing. We brought it up last week of how good he was in the World Series after literally not playing a game of baseball like the entire year after the second day of the season for how good he was. It's kind of it's amazing how bad he has been so far. I mean, he really hasn't even been close. And you know, the first couple of weeks, it was kind of just like, ah, eh, he'll snap out of it. But we're sixty games in. We are almost to the All Star break. I mean, something's got to happen. I've heard heard people say they want to send him down. I really don't know what the answer is to that. If it's that's a little the right too late to, to send him down. Right? You know what? I, they might just have to stick with him. No, I, mean, I agree. I mean. And Theo's not going to trade him unless it's for some Matt, like Mike Trout-esque player. Right, I, yeah. He keeps holding the bar high. So we'll see. Again, we were listening on the radio today. It's a new month. And for some reason, baseball teams can start clicking at the start of a new month. So right. we'll see what the Cubs are able to do. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. We'll be back right after the break talking more Major League Baseball. But before we get there, I wanted to talk to you about our Facebook page. Find us at the Sporting Edge 1 on Facebook. Also look us up on Twitter at the Sports Edge 1. That way we can communicate with you, contact with you guys, and give more giveaways when or more giveaways away. We had our first shirt giveaway, so that went fantastic. We got the right answer. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. I know we mentioned that last week. But we're going to do more and more trivia. We're also going to provide more opportunities for promotions. We have a couple of new deals coming up as well that we're very excited to mention on our social media site, so pay attention to that as well. Again, reach out to us. We're also on LinkedIn now at the Sporting Edge. So follow us. We want to reach out and contact you. And we'll be right back after the break with more Major League Baseball, everybody.
What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? We're back for our last segment here. I've been distracted, and I hope that doesn't come out in my radio show today, but Xander's sitting across from me right now wearing the most fluorescent... That's not flor... Fluorescent? Fluorescent. See, I can't even get the word because I'm distracted, guys. I'm Script distra- spelling bees on, by I the know, way, too. By the way, check that out on ESPN. But Xander's wearing an Arizona flowery hat. Trucker hat also. I got it today hat. at the sample sale. Sample sale in Thorngate, which is a neighborhood in Deerfield, Illinois. So if you ever get the opportunity, usually it's the first or weekend in June. Mm-hmm. So come get a great price. You got it for $5. But this hat has been beyond distracting. I'm going to send a picture out on our social media so you guys can see what I was looking at. But it reminded me that college basketball... It's something I'm waiting for. And it seems like it's been gone for a long time, but Arizona's actually the number one ranked team in the preseason polls. So no great way. hat buy for Xander. Yep. We'll get into college basketball later in the summer when we start seeing what the polls are really dictating. So we're getting back to baseball because we had a couple more topics. Yeah. I wanted to talk about the surging Yankees real quick before we went into the new playoff percentages on where teams are now and where they were at the beginning of the year. This Yankees team is the Cubs 2.0. They really are. Really are. Gary Sanchez, two nights ago with two home runs, he's really got his swing back. I know he's coming back off of an injury, so people are waiting and giving him time to see where he was at. In 300 at-bats, he has 26 home runs. He was He's the second fastest person right now in Major League Baseball, 225 home runs in a career. So You know who might beat him? Who might beat him? Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge. <laughs> Aaron Judge, fantastic. He's a middle linebacker playing Major League Baseball. No, dude, he's like a defensive Maybe a end. Yeah, you know, he's I changed bigger my, than He's like Chris team. Long. Dude, yeah, he's he might be taller. Than, he's like a Jadavian Clowney almost. Maybe, yeah. Probably and taller. It's absurd. And then Hicks as well on this roster. So the Yankees dude, are really surging. Brett, Brett Gardner hit nine home runs in May. Um, he hit seven home runs all of last season. He's one of the true Power remaining shirt. Yankees. He's not even a true Yankee because he came over to that team, but he's like one of the longest he's one tenured. Of the, one on the of, yes, one of the longest tenured Yankees. And this Yankees team is a three-game lead right now in the AL East, and they, they have not gone away. CeCe Sabathia still chucking the rock. Had a good game great this game. week. Um, but, yeah, the Yankees are one of those teams in, in this great article I saw on CBS about playoff percentages looking at five teams who started off the year um, with not a very good shot to make the playoffs. Start off with the Rockies. Had a 10% chance to make it on opening day. Their June 1st updated odds are 86.6%. That's correct. And if that gives you any inkling of how well this Rockies team has been playing, um, they haven't lost a series since April 27th. You know, they've been unbelievable. Nolan Arenado, again, is probably the second best hitter in baseball, I would say. By Trout. Definitely in the NL. Definitely best hitter in the NL. Um, Another team, the Diamondbacks. 3% 3% chance on opening day. They're now sitting at 62%, playing in the best division in baseball right now. Um, and they're they're playing great. Zach, Zach Granke is back to form. It was weird how, you know, him and Keuchel two years ago, then they had a bad year, and now they're both, you know, Cy Young material again. I mean, he's been playing unbelievable. They're, they're tied for first in the division with Colorado and also this L.A. Dodgers team. I mean, this is going to be probably maybe a better race in the AL East. It might be, and I think the Dodgers ultimately are going to take it. I think they're a team that is experienced and have been to the postseason definitely most recently. I think they're going to have a strong season all the way through. The Diamondbacks are a candidate of mine to fall off, and I, I want to that. fall off because I want the possibility of Zach Greinke being traded to the Cubs. That's a <laughs> conversation for another day. But I do think that the Rockies will slip into that wild card spot. I know they're the hottest right now, 
but I think they're going to stumble here and there. They look fantastic right now. Their hitting is unmatched again within the league. So definitely a very competitive or division, but I still I'm all on the AL East in terms of how competitive that will be because I think Baltimore, who is at the bottom of those top three teams right now, is going to surge. I think that team is still the team it, it like it has been. If Zach Britton's comes back soon, exactly. Um, also, David Price came back for the first time uh, this past Monday and was was okay. It's an okay. So, but that but he still is David Price. Still is David. He's David Price. He's a regular season god, but then you get to the postseason. So yeah. let's not worry about him there yet. Chris Sale, like I said, I think the AL East is super super. Chris Sale, I think, has been the best pitcher in baseball. Yes, so but he far. can't get the wins. It is no. unbelievable. No matter what team you put Chris Sale on, he's not registering those wins. And I guess that's the statistic that isn't super important for a pitcher. You worry about their ERA right. and he's pitching, whip. and then. All the guy does is strike out people, but also, you know, he's really picked it up in the month of May for the Red Sox with Xander Bogarts. Absolutely. 14 extra baits hits, 901 OPS. Um, he, he's going to be a key factor, you know. I, I think when you take their whole team apart, I think he's the most important piece. Three hitter, I mean, I know they bounce around the lineup, but three hitting shortstop, um, a great piece of this team, and he's still a young guy. I mean, he's done a lot of great things. But when we look around the rest of the league, the Twinkies are still getting it done in the AL Central. I mean, look at the standings right now. Minnesota is tied for Cleveland atop the division, and Irvin Santana is still having a career year. Miguel Sano is hitting the cover off the ball. This Twins team, they might be here to stay. They're a very young team. Um, You know, they haven't really been battle-tested, but... This is the kind of team that could kind of just ride this out into the playoffs. I mean, you never know. And I think by default, we're Twins fans now. So we're, I mean, we're yeah. watching rooting hard. And it's nothing against Cleveland and the Indians, but the Cubs 1-7. But after my slight jab, I really think the Twins are an interesting young team as well. I don't think they're as put together as this Yankees young team is right now. That's why they're not as flashy. That's why the record isn't where the Yankees is. But it would be interesting. Could you imagine the Twins breaking into the playoffs this year? Again, it's a long baseball season, so they're going to have to hold off a lot of teams, a lot of different series they're going to have to go into. It'll be interesting to see how they finish off at the All-Star break and then if they're able to reboot and come back out fresh after the All-Star break with more of the same like statistics and play and wins. So that is interesting. I want to tell you where to put money right now because that is our job. Ooh, well, is, is, I love it, money. Money, money, which we love to win here at the Sporting I don't guys. know if I can keep backing up my Mets. It's yeah, getting harder every week to do that. Take your money off the Mets if your bookie will allow you to do it. But we've got the Yankees currently at plus 1,300. So I think that's a pretty good value bet right now. Mm-mm. No, you're not no, feeling me? But no, let me explain. No, yeah. So that's they're the eighth team in line in terms of can you, best value. Can you give us a top, like a top 10? The top, this is brand new because of the Astros' seven-game win streak, which we haven't even harped on yet. But the Astros are a new favorite at plus 400, finally dethroning the Cubs, who actually this past week were swept by the lowest ranked or lowest chance team to win. At yeah. plus 100,000, you can put a dollar on the Padres to win $1,000. I think that's a great value. <laughs> if you just find four quarters laying around, you can turn that into a better off buying four gumballs. Maybe. But the Cubs are now plus 600. The value's getting better. I mean, if, uh, keep I watching it slip a little bit and then maybe throw your money back on the Cubs because I think the Cubs are st- they're still my super World Series team. I'm not like Xander. I'm not backing off my team. I'm, I'm not backing off, but the Mets are done. If I'm going to be the only one on the Mets train, I'm not. I wouldn't be upset with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but after the Cubs, we've got the Nationals and Dodgers at plus six fifty and plus seven hundred. Again, I think would, those are two sharp teams. Would lay off teams. both of them. I think they're two sharp teams. Playoff bus for they're, me. 
I'm, but that's where I said I don't know if the Nationals are a playoff bus. I think they're going to get to the NLCS. I think it's going to be in, against the Cubs. I did pick the Cubs to win, but if they don't make the playoffs, I'm all Nationals. I'm Team Nationals at plus 650. I do have a little money on them as well. I like to disperse my portfolio. But that Yankees team, which you're not a fan of, I'm putting my money on right now. Plus 1,300. The Red Sox are plus 750, and they're trailing the Yankees right now. And I know it's early on in the season, but this Yankees team seems like it's only going to get hotter, especially with the way Gary Sanchez is playing. Yeah, I mean, that. you know what? I wouldn't want to disagree with the Yankees. I just think they're going to fall a little short in pitching. Um, what, are the, what are the numbers on the Rockies right now? The Rockies are about plus 1,500. 1,500? That's actually pretty good I think value. if there was one team, I mean, you look at their pitching and their young pitching. I mean, I think, you know, they've gotten um, great production from their rookies. I mean, in 29 of their 52 games have been started by rookies. Going eighteen and six with a three thirty six ERA. I mean that is that is almost unheard of for a team. Um, you know, especially with with all the bats in that lineup. So you know what, I, I still have to stick with my Mets. But if I'm going to go with the second team, I'd go with the Colorado Rockies. But we're not going anywhere until next week because that's all the time we have for the Sporting Edge. Everybody, thanks for joining us today. Um, we're going to try to get some more guests on next week. Very exciting potential guests for next week, so stay tuned. Very exciting. I'm so excited. But we'll see you next week, everybody. Bye-bye. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.